Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, RF Refugees Podcast. Ted here, John here. Uh, we are going to have a great interview coming up with Chris Seitz, uh, the starting current starting goalkeeper for DC United. Uh, certainly will be the starter coming up on uh, the home op- uh, home opener, uh, which everybody will join us. Uh, check it out, rfgrefugees.com slash tailgate. I should drop that in there. Yes, for sure. <laughs> join us. We're going to talk about the game. We can talk about anything you want. Uh, we got a, 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 a sort of a preview of that RFK Refugees tailgate uh, <laughs> experience uh, from a friend at Discord who was who was kind enough to share his uh, share his screen for the stream so uh, fans could watch. So we, we appreciate him for that. Uh, for for digging that action, uh, we won't say who. We will that's protect right. his identity. That's right. <laughs> Names have been changed to to not have the uh, VPN cops come show up at his door. Yep, basically. Uh, so we got. I, I was I was working. We got to see a little bit. I, I don't know. Let, 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 let's jump into the game. I got some other news and notes. I guess I want to talk about. But let's let's start with the game. Sure. Um, which uh, two nothing lost to DC United. Uh, from from the opening whistle, I, I looked at that op- I, I looked at that opening lineup and I said, oh. Okay, this is going to be not either not pretty or, I mean, you had several different trialists. People were didn't you know no Kevin Paredes, no Griffin Yao, none of that stuff. Uh, a lot of players missing, obviously injury. Uh, we got you know Ariola, which we'll talk about maybe a little bit. His loan ending, um, you know, definitely not back yet. Uh, Roberta still uh, in in the Netherlands, not not there yet. Uh, so right off the bat, I saw like I think four of the mystery trialists or mystery players that for some reason you know uh, MLS doesn't tell us. I, I don't know if it's some rule or whatever. Uh, so right right off the bat, I was thinking there's no way this is going to end well. I and you know the the Union have a Champions League game coming up. They're trying to get you know fit and ready for that. So it's completely different mindsets, I guess, from these two sides. Uh, John, what what was your what were your initial thoughts? I, I guess of that lineup. Yeah, I I had a also very interrupted schedule uh, watching this game. There, uh, you know, there was a mistake uh, early in the game off of poor clearance uh, that led to Anthony Fontana scoring the first of his two goals. There was a penalty that would hit off the post. It was, I would say that the first half looked pretty rough for DC United. All, all said, there wasn't a lot of cohesive attacking play, uh, and there was some some uncertainty on the back. Uh, and then towards the end of the second half, maybe the last 30 minutes, when all of uh, there was a, a large-scale ho- line change like hockey uh, subs for DC United coming on a lot more of the senior players came in, uh, and they had a lot more of the ball. The, the field started to tilt a little bit more towards Philly's goal. Um, you know, not a number of solid necessary chances. There were no, there weren't a bunch of saves forced, uh, but there were balls in dangerous positions. I think that uh, it's important. You already mentioned it, but it's really important to look at the the fact that the Union are starting Champions League on April seventh, so they are in a different periodization process on their on their fitness and also who they were playing in, uh, what starting lineup they had, and 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 were playing through. Um, so. Something you know, take take the results as a, with a giant grain of salt. Very, uh, the results are you know, meaningless. But uh, I think that there were some things to be encouraged about. I think that uh, certainly, certainly in the second half, the first half, I think is maybe a little bit more challenging to find things to be really excited about. Yeah, I, and I and I'm glad you you were able to sort of watch maybe a little a little more of the of the first half because I I had you know 
life and work and all those things. So I wasn't able to to really keep up with. Uh, I guess the one one takeaway I had from the game and the one player I was uh, I, I I I left sort of impressed with uh, was Adrian Perez, who's a player you've knocked on as being a a nobody. Uh, maybe he'll surprise us. I, I thought he he had some some opportunities and some chances and and, and showed some life. I, I think the biggest takeaway I got from this game is I can already see what. Uh, what a Lasada is going for. This team played very quick and very direct. Now, again, it was second half. They were maybe trying to chase the game a little bit. Um, you could see the verticality. You could see the the movement. You could see what he's trying to go for with this club. Um, I 100% support this. I think this is great. Um, so, uh, so yeah. So I, I am, I am, um, I, I'm, I'm, I'm encouraged, I guess, a little bit from that aspect because you know, right off the bat, I'm like, okay, I'm not even going to care about the score because. There's trialists out there. There's trialists, or I don't think there are actually any trialists. There were all Loudon United players, all, you know, unknown players. I'm like, all right, so already I know this is not a game. I am going to look at the scoreboard and say, oh, man, what are we doing? Um, I, I didn't check Facebook to see if there was an Olsen out comment yet. But maybe, <laughs> if maybe if there I, is anywhere, it'll be on Facebook. That's a, that's it, a good bet. Very good bet. I'm seeing the – I can't wait for the, uh, oh, man, what are we doing? We're going to be terrible this year uh, comments, even though – um, we've had plenty of times where we've been good, and you know. Anyway, neither, uh, neither here nor there. Um, but yeah, so uh, not a, a a interesting start, I guess you could say. Hopefully, maybe we get an opportunity to watch a game coming up. Uh, their next two preseason games uh, are against New York City. That one will uh, be so streamed. Pre- that is stre- that is being streamed by New York City FC, I believe. Okay. Uh, cool, cool. So that one will be streamed. Uh, hopefully, it's available to DC fans. Um, I, I guess the caveat we uh, we we could, I, I do want to mention that I, I think you know a question was asked sort of the Pablo Mauer about the about the streaming. I, I can understand I guess the economic side of, of 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 not having streams, even though that might make some fans upset. Okay, fine. Yeah, you don't want to commit the resources. You don't want to commit the money. To his point, literally hundreds of fans. I think that's I think that's fair. It's fair it, to keep in mind here. It's fair to keep, you know, it's three o'clock on a work day. And, you know, yes, most people working from home, it's a little different, but, you know, you're not going to get the, the, the crowds. You know, I, 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 I could see the argument, do it for, for your, do it for your fans, whoever's watching. Uh, the, the, the thing I don't understand, and, and I am, I am, I am going to go investigative reporter on this. I am going to see if I can figure out why, because this doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense to me why you would geofence your preseason games. I don't understand the the logic behind that. Is it a competitive issue? Is it? It doesn't. It doesn't make any sense to me. So this game, and, and you know, before I think last year there were games, uh, you know, before the craziness where they were geofenced. But so if Philadelphia, if the Philadelphia Union was streaming one of their games, it would be available to DC fans, and, and DC would would be able to sort of piggyback on that stream. Um, and, and that that's at least a little bit better. I, I don't understand if you have two teams playing each other, why the streams can't just be geofenced in between. You know, if you want to geofence them, which is stupid in the first place, at least let the other team's fans have access to it. That it, it just it, it didn't make uh, it didn't make any sense to me. Yeah. So yeah, I I think that's I agree. Uh, that that part is an MLS decision that must be tied something. You know, the only thing that could make sense is that it ties in some way with the TV rights in 2022, something about, I don't know. There's no, there's no good reason. Whatever, whatever the reason <laughs> There's no good is. reason. No, you, you I, and that's why I like, I want to figure out what the re, what's the reasoning. Like what, who, someone had to go in and make that decision. Someone said, yeah. Oh, we are going to do this from now on. 
Well, next and time we have a- Don Garber on the podcast, we'll ask. <laughs> we'll ask him. He probably, he probably doesn't even know. I think that has to go. That's a, that's a media-related question. Anyway, rant's over. It's dumb. It's stupid. MLS, please, please, please change your uh, – change it. No, you're not battling for – I think I wonder, too, if it's maybe a battle for rights amongst, like, if these preseason games get – any traction then maybe there's networks battling for rights but i don't know who it's tough enough getting teams to battle for rights to to, to regular season games I, I don't understand why you know why preseason will fall into that yeah anyway uh anyway uh some other news and notes uh, let's talk about the big dc night related news paul riola uh we we were ready to say goodbye to him uh but he is uh he will be on his way back. His loan deal was canceled. Uh, it seemed like he picked up an injury, so he will be, you know, missing for three weeks or six weeks. I think was yeah. The he he was he was he was not playing in Swansea because he had an injury, and then he got re-injured on last Friday and is out for six weeks. So yeah, and the team was probably just like, you know what? Let's just you take him. <laughs> so um, basically, they 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 are the Swansea are the neighborhood hit, neighborhood kid that borrows your bike. Promises that they'll return it, and then they return it with like a busted up, you know, fender or something, wheel, everything's <laughs> broken, and it's like here, ah, uh, you you figure it out. Like great, it's gonna take me some time to get that back. So thank you, Swansea, uh, for. Uh, but no, I, I I feel bad for Paul. I think he thought this might be a moment for him to, you know, a lot of things coming up with the national team. I think we were all kind of hyped a bit, and it just it didn't work out. Um, so now he gets an opportunity to, uh, to come back to to DC. Be comfortable. He's got a new, a new attack-minded coach, um, and uh, I hope, I hope he tears it up this year. I think he's gonna have a great I season. I think it's, I think it's gonna be better. The team will be better for him, for him being here, and him. I assume playing with a chip on his shoulder. Yeah, and I even wonder with, with the TT Rodriguez news. I even wonder if that maybe that sort of went away once you know it was very clear that 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 uh, Paul was gonna be back, and it was like, okay, well, you know, we we don't. This isn't a move we need to make. We'll wait till the summer. We'll revisit it in the summer. But and pay nothing. We don't need it from a fee yeah, perspective. What's that? That's an and pay nothing from a fee perspective. Yeah, if if you can get them, and, and there were there was a I saw a weird story about about that and and how apparently he had been had an offer that was rejected. Um, so we'll we'll uh, to be TBD on that one. Uh, but glad to have Paul back. Looking forward to having him back on the field. Um, and uh, and yeah, uh, uh, the 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 return of. Swansea fans hating on DC fans uh, is is back. Nature is healing, as they say. Um, so we're we're back to the we're back we're back to that action. Um, U.S. soccer related news before uh, we drop in the U.S. Open Cup uh, will be take place. It was originally announced to be a twenty four team uh, tournament. It will now be a sixteen team tournament. Uh, the teams that are obviously getting the shaft are the lower division clubs. Uh, my Richmond Kickers, for instance, will not participate. I am very upset, very uh, unhappy about that, or sad about that. Yeah, I, I I go ahead for I, I love the Open Cup, and there's been a lot of criticism about it. A lot of people going, you know, on about it. I I I sympathize with U.S. Soccer's um, predicament a little bit. Uh, you know. You don't know what the future is going to hold. You don't know what COVID nineteen. It was either this probably, or they just canceled the tournament. Correct. Um, Correct. And I think they said, "Let's at least have it." And I think it's sort of, it it, it keeps the tournament going, which I'm for. Um, I am for the tournament going. It's not. It's going to carry an asterisk. Whoever wins it, it's going to carry an asterisk. Uh, it's not really an open cup. It's a closed cup. Uh, so open should maybe be in um, 
in in, in quotations. I you know what I, I I wouldn't have hated it if they had said, you know what we're not going to do the Open Cup. We're going to call this the you know National Invitational Cup Challenge Cup. You know it's it's gonna it's not taking the place of the Open Cup. But we don't want to, you know, we don't want to sully that name. Uh, call, call it the National Challenge Cup. I mean, that's what it was originally called. Why not? Just just give it a new name. Don't call it the Open Cup, even though it is certainly not the Open Cup. Um, I hope the tournament's back in full force in 2022. Uh, John John has a soft spot for Champions League, which he gets he gets it in its full glory this year. Um, and I and I have a huge fan of the uh, of the Open Cup and sort of what it means to American soccer and and its unique place in the sports landscape. So. Hopefully it returns. I don't know if you had any thoughts on. on what's no, going no. On. I mean, I think that. So the way that I don't know if. Uh, so they, DC United could be in it depending on how the yes. results go for the first three weeks. This is the way they're determining on it. It's 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 standings after after the first three after the first three games. Uh, so yeah. it's anyone's it's anyone's race uh, on uh, in this weird year. I think you know. So it's a money loser. It's a money loser generally overall as a tournament. Unfortunately, I think if they continue to have. Uh, as many rounds as they were looking at, but also weren't allowing fans. It was going to be a big money loser. Uh, but you're right. If they do, I think it's better for the tournament that they try it and do some of it this year. I think two years of having it in a row uh, being canceled and not played at all uh, would potentially be a threat where, you know, a league could be looking at trying to save money in certain places. I'm like, well, we haven't had it for two years and no one really missed it. And we'll just, we'll just, we'll just not do it anymore. Um, so I think that this is this is a this is a good way to ensure that the tournament continues to exist uh, and will continue in its expanded form in 2022. Yes, and we're, I'm looking forward to that 20. That, that that is my new my new calendar on my new calendar is the 2022 uh, Lamar Hunt U.S. Open Cup returning. I I don't know if it'll ever. I, I think it would still be around even if they did. I, I don't. I'm not that cynical. Uh, it has an owner of MLS as the name. Um, I think it still represents an entry into Champions League, and I don't think any club is going to walk away from that. The lower division clubs are certainly not going to walk away from it because it's an opportunity for them. Um, so I, I don't buy in. I guess I don't buy into the idea uh, that that it would that it would go away. I think it would have come back even if they had said no. Um, I am glad that they are still at least gonna gonna try it out. Um, and like I said, the first three games uh, that those so those so those games will be. In case you're curious, uh, they will be home against uh, New York City, which we all know. RFPRFGs.com/tailgate. Come join us; it'll be fun. Uh, away against New England and away against San Jose. So, uh, yes or no? Does DC qualify for the Open Cup? Uh, no. No, I, I, I don't think so. Um, you know, San Jose, who knows what they're going to be there. They were a playoff team last year. Basically, they got three games against playoff teams, new coach, new new formation. Uh, probably not. So, uh, yeah, uh, we'll, we'll see y'all in 2022. No. <laughs> maybe, 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 things, uh, maybe things kick off for the team. Anything is possible. Um, anything is certainly possible. We have an interview coming up with uh, Chris Seitz. Uh, so you guys definitely going to want to stick around for that. And uh, we'll... Get to that right about now. Uh, welcome back, everybody. RFK Refugees, this is John. Your co-host, Ted, is somewhere else. But on the line, we have uh, DC United starting goalkeeper at the moment and, and two-year uh, member of the team, Chris Seitz. Thank you for joining, Chris. Yeah, how are you doing? Good. Chris is joining us from the road uh, in the, in the, in the uh, bus on the way home. So we appreciate him making the time to do that. I, we know how uh, normally bad traffic is on 95, but hopefully at the moment you guys have clear sailing down uh down back home 
Yeah, it's not too bad right now. We hit some traffic. That's good. Leaving, I think, getting out of Delaware, but we're, we're good right now, so it's good. I assume you guys just finished up your, your scrimmage with the Union. I assume it was good to get out there and uh, play some play some MLS competition, stop scrimmaging, get out there, get on the road with a team. I, I assume that felt good to knock the rust off a little bit. It was. Uh, it was good to, I always say this, but it's good to kick someone else. Um, good to get out yeah. there and, and not be going against yourselves and uh, against a team that is about two more weeks in front of us in terms of preparation. And uh, we were their last touch-up before their Champions League game. So uh, it was a good competition. And uh, I think we showed very well today. Uh, we had created a lot of chances and we're a bit unlucky. We gave up two opportunities and they scored two goals. But uh, we, we looked good today and I was, I was happy with it. Yeah, we had a large number of DC United fans uh, huddling on a uh, illicit stream <laughs> in, a, in a chat room. It was extremely like uh, late '90s, early 2000s soccer style. But that's uh, that's how we all watched the game today. So yeah. I'm glad we got to see it anyway. Yeah, I heard it's blacked out in DC. That's that's stink. It it did, but that's all right. We'll, we'll, we'll be you'll be playing on uh, News Channel Seven soon enough, and then most people will be able to see it that way. Yep. Uh, so let's get started here on on, on 2021. Uh, you've had. A number of runs uh, now as the number one due to injury, due to different different issues with the, with the club over the last two years, and you're going to start this year in that capacity again. Uh, you knew that a little bit going in. You knew Bill was recovering from uh, from uh, hernia surgery for a while now. So, is it, would that did that change your preparation at all coming into the year, knowing you're going to get a much bigger load to start the season, or is it basically? I would imagine you start every year, you prepare every year as though you're going to start and and you're ready to go physically, yeah, right? Yeah. Uh, I mean, in our position, that's kind of the way that you have to take it. Um, you have to be sharp and, and push your counterparts. And uh, we have a good group. John's come in and um, is a veteran as well. And, and we're all pushing each other to become better. And at the same time, we we are all fighting for spots. So, um, and we have a brand new coach, which obviously comes with a new style of play. And, and we're all trying to adapt to that as quickly as possible. That's a great lead into my next question. We had uh, Donovan Pines on last week. And we talked about having a coach coming in immediately, starting talking about offense and potency and winning games five to four and throwing guys forward. And as someone in goal, five to four doesn't sound very good. I assume. <laughs> I assume you'd much prefer one nothing or three nothing. But um, so, as someone who's who's is, uh, has a close view of what's going on, and particularly, I think an interesting vantage point from your position and watching how this looks in practice. Uh, how do you feel about the team's ability to learn and adapt to it quickly? And still be able to defend, you know, can, you know, DC United known for being a very stout defense for for you know as long as a lot of people can remember. So uh, this is obviously a new setup intended to be a lot more attacking, but you know, I assume that the goal is still to just be as, as tight as you have ever been uh, in back. Well, we have really talented defenders, um, and we have defenders that fit the system very well. So um, I think as long as we are smart about how we defend um, and how we defend when we have the ball. We'll put ourselves in a good situation to to win it back or to kill any sort of counterattack. So um, I'm not too worried about uh, the five fours or anything like that. I I, I think that we're going to be dangerous going forward, and I think we're going to be solid in the back, uh, just like in years past. And I think we have a, a group of defenders that are that are truly on board with it and, and understand the the ideas and the formation and uh, the best way to go about it. So I'm I'm confident those guys to as well as myself to to be able to to push it and, and, and keep zeros in the back. Yeah, Donovan was very excited about the possibility. I think he has a target of five goals this year, which would be, which would make him the leading scorer on the twenty nineteen or the twenty twenty team. So we're excited to see someone so optimistic about scoring goals up on on uh, set pieces. Yeah, we. I mean, we got a lot of threats, and and he's obviously at the top of that list. 
he's he's unbelievable in the air and um if, if he kind of sets his mind to it I, I don't see an issue with him getting quite a few goals off set pieces he's hard to miss right i feel like if you're if i feel like if you're standing on the corner flag you're you're just aiming for the tall guy i feel and, and he's got a great vertical anyway so he's got to put it up there and let him dunk it yeah but we also have great service i mean between julian and eddie put, True. Him, put the ball in we we have a lot of guys that can that can put it on his head so uh it, it takes a good ball as, as well as obviously don's athletic ability and his height to be able to do it, uh, and I think we got a good mix. Yeah. Uh, so I've got a, a question from uh, one of our Patreon supporters about uh, they want to know how curious. So in the past, so when you've been uh, sort of a week to week, you didn't necessarily know. Um, you know, you're fighting through the week in training, and, and you don't really know who's going to start that on that weekend. When you, how far in advance usually are you going to get to know that you're going to be starting? And sometimes I'm sure it's day of day of decision, but do you get forewarning? Uh, does it change? It's sort of, I guess, is actually now sort of a, uh, a repeating of our last question. But nothing, you don't change anything about your preparation. I would imagine you come to the you come to the stadium every day as if you're going to start. Yeah, I, a lot of it is at, at least a day's notice. Um, I mean, I, especially whether it's um, a planned game or if it's a situation where um, I've been doing really well in training and, and have an idea that I might get some minutes. Um, it it kind of all changes. There's obviously the game day uh switches as well and, and things like that and that's that's part of the game but uh my job is as a 15 year professional is to come in every day expecting to play and expecting to push the guys around us to be better and, and keep them cheap that's all mental strength right to be able to on the day i mean that's that's the job right is to be ready but what like <laughs> how do you prepare on a week-to-week basis like all right do you just the way i would assume is every week i'm going to get called into play like there's something's going to happen i've been having a great week in training and then i get there i'm like oh, i guess i'm not but i was ready I, that's how I, I feel like that's how you'd have to do it otherwise yeah but we, we watch a lot of film i mean we study a lot and and it's not like he gets a different game plan than i do uh we all have the right. same game plan and and we all get reps at uh with the first team and, and stuff along those lines so it's not like it's a I've been relegated to the second team and he's been with the first team the whole time. Like I, I get minutes with the guys all the time. And so when it is my turn or, or my, my number's called upon, I'm, I'm ready to go. And I have familiarity with all those guys. Obviously this is my third season with the club and um, I have a really good understanding of the back line and, and the different attributes each player has. So uh, coming in seamlessly and, and performing is, is something that I pride myself on. Uh, Ted Ted is joining us here uh, for for the rest of this interview. I, I wanted to talk to you about this is something that comes up I think a lot in your interviews, but I think it's a really interesting story. Also because I used to work for the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society, so as it was happening, it was as an MLS fan, I was like, wow, my worlds are colliding. This is a very this is a very awesome story. But uh, I wanted to talk about your your sort of your bone marrow donation journey uh, in 2012. For the for folks who don't know, folks who have not heard this story. Uh, Chris signed up in the bone marrow registry. I, was it 2008 for Andy Williams, his wife? Yeah. Was that was that the, do I have the timeline right for that yeah, part is. of it? Yeah. Uh, and uh, so he was on the, uh, I'm not sure if you guys are familiar with the, the way the Be A Match registry works, but basically you sign up, uh, you, you, sit, you submit uh, sort of your information, maybe do a cheek swab, depending on where you sign up, and you get matched if someone comes up with your DNA match. And in 2012, uh, Chris found out that he had a match uh, and uh, I, this is this is the part of the story. I think you would definitely <laughs> you you have a better vantage point. So, but you had to decide sort of in the middle of the season whether you were going to uh, sort of put put soccer on the side and and not really understand necessarily how long the recovery process was going to be uh, and and see if you were going to engage in this. And that's something you decided to do, right? 
Yeah, so at, at this time, uh, about six months prior, my dad was a match for my uncle um, who was going through um, some cancer treatment as well. And so my dad actually was his uh, bone marrow donor. And so it hit really close to home when I got the email and the phone call and, and started going through the, the process. And I know how much it meant that my dad was able to help my uncle um, for a time, the time being. And I just knew that other families were dealing with the same things that we were um, in terms of the uncertainty, in terms of the what ifs. And, and I was told that I was the best possible match for this person to be able to recover. And at that time, uh, I was with FC Dallas and we weren't doing very well. We were out of the playoffs and um, it was one of those things where it hit so close to home and it, it, it was something that I understood the impact on and I wanted to go ahead with it. And I obviously needed to get the, the permission of the club um, as well as do a bunch of research because no professional athlete, to my knowledge at that time, had, had done such a thing um, and recovered to, to play. And so we wanted to uh, do a bunch of research to make sure that uh, I'd be able to come back as healthy as possible. We're going under the tunnel of Baltimore right now, so I'm not sure if we're going to lose each okay. other. But if we do, um, we're underwater currently, so we'll figure it out. Okay, no problem. If if we do, we can we can reconnect. It's not a problem. Um, so yeah, so, so you you were able to you were able. To, it's a for those who don't know the process, a bone marrow donation requires a, a needle in your. Did they do it in the spine? Where would they? We had to get they had to get fluid for your bone marrow. Where did they? they your back? Yeah, so I had 52 holes through my lower pelvis. Um, and so they, they actually did it across my pelvis, the right and left sides of my pelvis. There's two incision marks and then 26 holes in each. That's a lot of holes. Yeah. That's a, that's a, <laughs> that is not getting your blood drawn. That is a, that is a serious procedure. And you, and I was reading today your interview with Goff last year, just about the recovery process and how they had to, they had not really put together a, an athlete's recovery plan, uh, an in, injury recovery plan for that particular procedure before. So you, you were sort of, uh, breaking new ground there as a professional athlete. Yeah, so we we were in contact with a lot of different doctors. Um, our athletic trainer at the time was was really involved with it, and uh, we were meeting with the North or the uh, North Texas University and and a couple of other places to do their DEXA scans and and so just to keep an eye on on my bone density um, as well as my my blood levels because I was very anemic uh, post surgery, obviously. The, my my recipient was uh, a heavier man, so it wasn't a light uh, a light donor. It wasn't like a light uh, harvest. It was a, a more in depth one. So uh, I left there very weak and and very frail, and I had to uh, let my body recoup and and go from there. But it was a lot of swimming, um, a lot of low impact on the hips, and just gave them time to heal and, and let the bones harden. And and once that was fine, then is just working my way back into into the sport. Well, this is my this is my informal advertisement for everyone joining the Bone Marrow Registry. Uh, I'm on it. Chris, a professional athlete, was able to donate and get back to work. So the excuses that you might have are limited, particularly if you have like a desk job. So uh, definitely sign up for that. It's an opportunity to save somebody's life. And if they're looking for a bone marrow transplant, they're already sort of on their last play. Yeah. They're, they're like last roll of the dice for, for life. So it's something that you can do. There's actually even ways to give marrow with apheresis where you, where they, where they take parts of your blood out and you don't actually have to get depends on the, depends on the type of cancer, but look into it, go to be sign up. This is an unofficial, unofficial sponsorship for, yeah, <laughs> for be a match. Through my story, I, I know of at least six people who, who have donated um, after 
hearing the story or reading the story and signed up, uh, got signed up either for the league or reaching, uh, doing their own research. And I found six people so far that have been matches. So, um, that's awesome. It's very, it's very doable. And it's usually about two weeks before you're able to go back to a desk job, um, with no issues. And so it's, it's something I highly recommend. And if you have an opportunity to save someone's life and, uh, there's, Absolutely. there's no better feeling. So get on, get on board, do your research and, and, and try and get signed up. Awesome. Ted, go ahead. Yeah. So, um, something, uh, there, there was a tweet come out, um, obviously couldn't, couldn't watch the game. Uh, but, uh, there was a tweet that came out that sort of, uh, mentioned the, the, the full circleness of, of the fact that you had started your career, uh, not started your career, but you had played on the expansion team, uh, in, in Philadelphia. Uh, what did it sort of feel like to be back on that field? Uh, yeah, it's a preseason game. Um, I, I don't know if you've, I, I'm sure you've played, you had a storied career. I'm sure you've played in Philly before. Uh, but what, what is it sort of like to, to come back and, and, and play against, uh, you know, a, on, an in a stadium, stadium where maybe you, <laughs> an empty stadium, but, but nonetheless, it, it, what does that, what does that sort of feel like to go and play uh, against a former team? Uh, do you have any sentiments about it or are you like, nope, I got a job to do. I'm going to, I'm going to go out and get it done. Well, no, first and foremost, it's, it's a job, right? And, and we're in, in a unique position where we're two weeks behind them in preseason. Um, and so for us, it's about, um, following our principles and, and following our game plan and, and going out there and executing. But uh, from a personal side, I, I have a lot of history there. My my wife is a is a Philly girl. Um, I left there on not such great terms with the club, and um, so every time I go back there, obviously they're a rival of DC, but they're also a rival of mine. Um, and there's no better feeling than getting three points when, when I'm there. So uh, each and every opportunity I have a chance to get points against against Philly, I'm I'm, I'm a happy guy. <laughs> yeah, man, we're we're happy too. We we enjoy we enjoy that as well. Chris, uh, you you have about I think uh, seven thousand children. Uh, uh-huh. Maybe the number is slightly less than that, but it's it's quite a it few. Might be over. Uh, it might be over that. It's, it's it's hard to tell on any given week. I'm sure. The uh, I, I assume uh, you know everybody else has been dealing with it in their own way. I know I've been following you on Twitter, and I think for a while you have been saying we've got to get we've got to get these kids back to school. We've got to get these kids back into sort of the swing of things in life. It looks like that's starting to happen. Just as like a parent in the D.C. area, uh, you know, I have a I have a one year old, so my experience is a little bit different. But what have these last few months in this off season been like for you, trying to keep everyone, you know, sane and keep keep everyone <laughs> keep the kids from from fighting, keep the kids engaged and, and learning in this time where we're just sort of stuck in stuck in neutral for yeah, this you know months at a time. This is something I've done a lot of research on, and uh, I've seen firsthand the impacts of canceling school and, and doing online school has had on, on kids, um, especially mine. And it hasn't been great by any means. Um, I mean, my kindergartner, uh, there's no such thing as online learning for kindergarten age group. It's, right. it's a waste of time. It's, it's not even, it's not even something that's doable. And, uh, the suffering that she's had, the, the delayed learning that she's had because of it is, has been detrimental to her, um, and her, her love for school and her love for, for learning um i mean she had been in school for four previous years going through like not daycare but like uh like it's called kitty academy so it's like a, a like a learning program and she loved school every minute and the fact that she had to do it online and six hours a day and then do work afterwards all through a computer on games and not with a, their friends and not being able to run around and socialize it's just it, it made a huge impact on her personally and 
My second grader was a little bit better with it because she had done it in the fall the year prior, so she knew what she was doing. But it's just we, we needed to – I just feel like we need to prioritize our children in this time and, and their needs. Um, obviously, small businesses and, and stuff get a lot of the limelight, but our school system and putting our kids first in this time is, is something that I found to be a necessity and, and something that we lacked as a, as a community. Yeah, I, I wanted to make sure I give you an opportunity to speak on that because I know it's been something that's really you felt strongly about. And are you guys in Fairfax County? Where are you guys? Yeah. Are you guys in a, a county that's going back yeah, soon? So we, my kids are going back two days a week right now. Um, they go back Thursday, Friday, and then they have school uh, online for Tuesday and Wednesday with a asynchronous day on Monday. So they're currently going two days a week, um, which has been great, and they learn so much in those two days. Uh, but Fairfax actually just announced that they're looking to to get back to either three or four days a week in person and uh, five days a week come come the fall. So they're making progress awesome. with it. Um, ever since the CDC dropped it to three to three feet rather than six feet, it's it's a, it's allowing schools to do it. The the toughest part for us was that our elementary school has been prepared since before October of last year um, with the guidelines and the resources and everything but the county was still not allowing them to go back. So our school was prepared, our principals, our teachers, everyone was on board, and we were just sitting in, in neutral waiting uh, for, for us to get the green light, even though we've been ready since uh, the prior fall. So it's been, been frustrating. Our school system has been trying to do the best they can and, and make everybody happy, and, and it's hard. But uh, I'm glad that our kids are finally getting the opportunity to get back in school and, and learn in person because that's really the only way that they're going to be able to to truly get a good education and uh happy for your wife too now that the season started and you're no longer going to be uh <laughs> be, be around uh, all the time particularly when you're traveling it'll be nice for her to have uh the kids sort of at least a couple days a week uh, learning and being in school so i would just <laughs> that's just a that's a parenting uh, it's a parent thing i'm thinking all of my friends oh, yeah. that have oh, yeah. you know school-age kids are like we everybody needs a little bit of a break here we all need to it's good for the kids, but it's also good for the parents. Yeah, it's also the longest I've been home with our extended off season this year. Um, and so my wife and I had a new dynamic because I was home for so long, um, doing all my workouts at home, doing all that stuff because of COVID protocols. So uh, we were getting not necessarily sick of each other, but we were, uh, we, our whole relationship, I've been, I've been playing soccer. So I've always been able to get out and, and do that. And uh, obviously with COVID and, and the pandemic, we've, we've been, stuck at home and uh it obviously brings new challenges and uh it's brought us closer that's for sure i've heard that a lot actually from professional athletes i think ryan zimmerman had an interview this week where his wife was like i think maybe you should keep playing you were thinking about retiring but i think i think it would be good if you just kept going out there and kept playing <laughs> yeah 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 go ahead go ahead ted yeah, uh, Chris, obviously uh, it's been a big change for, for everybody's lives, uh, but also uh, in the stadiums, the, the emptiness. Um, I sit sometimes if there's no other soccer on while I'm working from home, I sit and put it on the MLS Pluto channel and they have games from 2019 with like full crowds. And it seems so bizarre because it's been uh, such a long time since that happened. Uh, you know, right now, if things hold, you're looking at, you know, a smaller crowd uh, of fans there. Uh, how, how does that, uh, I mean, obviously it won't be, you know, the, the, the rocking atmosphere we get at Audi field, but, or, or even at other stadiums, how, but how does it sort of change, uh, in your perspective when you're out there on the field to have actual fans there watching the games instead of playing to, uh, Paul Ariola and, uh, a bunch of, uh, stadium yeah, staff or the big, there. the big TV screens like they had in Orlando with the fake fans <laughs> that, 
yeah no it will be it's it's super nice i mean the fact that you're able to to have people there watching um live fans not digital fans and, and be able to hear them and, and hear whether it's chants and booze or or cheers and, and goals so um we had fake noise at audi field and and that was a okay cover because you still get lost in the game and um but they they cheer when you score and, and all that stuff and um but real fans you can't replicate it and the the desire the the fandom that they bring and and the energy that they bring to the stadium is just contagious and and we miss that when we play and whether it's the supporter section cheering us on in the 90th to keep a clean sheet or or we're attacking that goal to to, to win it late uh the the energy in the stadium is is something that you can't replicate and uh we, we miss it dearly and we, we can't wait to get fans back in the stadium yeah, that's uh, I I can speak for the, all the fans that I've spoken to and, and myself as well. We're we're, we're chopping at the bit, yeah. so uh, th- I want to thank you again for joining us. I got one more question for you before we let you go. But uh, so twenty twenty one, we're staring down the barrel at it. It's coming here pretty soon. Uh, you know, as an you know, you fans have not gotten a chance to see the team sort of as it develops. But you know, the roster is generally the same. We've seen some some new additions, but for the most part, uh, the roster is intact from last year. Um, and you know, we've got this, we've got a new coach, we've got a new system, but we've got, we've got a lot of the same guys. What, what can fans, uh, you know, as, as we, as we roll into the season and you're getting an opportunity to, to, to work into the system every day, what, what can fans expect from, from this team in 2021? I know that Aaron has, has, has talked a lot about, you know, this is a transition year and, you know, we've got a lot, it's a new system. We've got to, we've got to get an opportunity to get there. But I feel like as a player, you know, you're expect you, you would like you, you expect results immediately, no matter what the expectations are from from the team or the coach or the media or anything else. You're, I assume you, you know, you, you know these guys and you know what you're capable of. So, what can fans expect from from this year from from your vantage point so far? Yeah, I mean, first and foremost, we're competitors, right? And and uh, we're winners. So for us, we go out there every single game to to try and win. And uh, I think you're going to see an attacking style soccer, something that I know our fans have been craving for. Um, a lot of vertical play. Not necessarily long balls, but but definitely playing forward and, and not being as, as passive. Um, you'll see a back line that's that's going to be solid, a back line that's going to be hard to break down. Uh, a lot of big boys, but um, also guys that are going to be able to step in into the midfield and, and challenge forwards when they drop back. So you're going to see a, a team that is all on the same page with the same identity and the same game plan go out there and, and try and execute on a daily basis of, of getting three points and winning at home and, and, and finding points on the road um, and, and truly going out there and, and putting our hearts on our sleeves and, and, and trying to do the best we can for, for this club. Well, that sounds like a recipe for success for 2021. I know the fans are excited to see that. Chris Seitz, thank you for joining us. You can follow him on, at, on Twitter at Seitz1, or you can also just follow him uh, on the team that you all watch and pay attention to uh, in between the sticks uh, here as the season starts. So, Chris, thank you again for joining RFK Refugees. We really appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Thank you again to uh, Chris Seitz for joining the show. Guys, we will see you next week on our normal Monday show. Uh, please feel free to go to patreon.com slash to join the show. Uh, be sure to sign up for our giveaway. We have our t-shirt giveaway for Unite the District. That's rfkrefugees.com slash giveaway. Uh, also, be sure to sign up for our virtual tailgate, rfkrefugees.com slash tailgate. Uh, so be sure to check all that out. Uh, we got a lot of cool stuff coming up for the season, and uh, we will see you guys next week. Vamos. Mm-hmm.